Hey, hello, and welcome to One Controller Pro Podcast, episode 55. Here I am, Ben Yoder, talking to you today about... Let's talk about Dragon Quest Heroes 2. I've been playing that. I've been playing some of that. I've been, I haven't been playing as much video games in general as I would like this week, but hey, that's that's always life for the most part. I got I lucked out last week because I was on the plane for for almost 10 hours so i just got 10 hours to dump into into a variety of games which is cool but um that's the nice thing about plane rides just there's nothing else to distract me (laughs) no no article writing or anything like that so so yeah dragon quest heroes 2 i uh i've been putting some time into that this week and i'm finally getting towards the end of it um uh it's surprising how long it is maybe maybe i don't know i mean it's like a 30 30 to 40 hour game it seems like it's just pretty standard for a jrpg but as a muso game i would think they typically would keep that like shorter or more just like a spin-off to like an rpg in general dragon quest swords is like 10 hours long and that's it um but this excuse me this feels pretty hefty um and it's been it's been nice because as you unlock these characters you kind of realize just like how different everybody plays um, even if they have like the same weapon type as another character, I've been, excuse me, I've been just burping like a, a crazy boy. Get all that gas out while I can. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so there's the, uh, the whole, um, so it's like, a, there's a bunch of different weapons you can, you can, uh, assign to your main character. Uh, you can choose between, I think five vocations and then each of those vacations have like cho- choices to ch- for like three different weapons. Um, and then you have the actual characters who are like, um, um, characters from other games that have preset weapons and stuff, and they have their own, own movesets and typically like a set of skills you can choose between and, um, set up on the system or uh, set up on the, or like your quick action, you like four quick actions. And typically I feel like everybody has towards the end of the game about eight skills or something like that. Um, and then at the on the the further even further end of that there's these like special online only characters where you can um that are pretty limited in what you can do for um upgrading them and customability or customizing customizing them um but they seem to scale really well with with like the levels so they they continue to stay relevant even though they have pretty limited character progression and like a character who like your your little creative character person uh, he uses a bow, and then, like, Angelo he uses a bow, and then I think it's, like, Bianca, which is, like, on that third tier, or tier of, like, a bonus character thing that uses a bow, all play, like, really differently, which I really like. Um, I'd say, like, uh, the creative character probably has the most similarities between the two, but uh, each of those, the two characters that use bows are kind of, like, on the opposite spectrums of each other in terms of, like, how they should play and um they really sit down and and think about like different play styles for for an individual weapon depending on the character like there's a uh there's a martial artist who um who like this big buff guy and he's all kind of about about charging attacks so like every time you punch you can hold the button to charge the the punch and hit and it does quite a bit of damage just you know the time to sit there and charge and hit and then you have a chance of getting knocked back and things like that and he kind of has a lot of like self buffs but then you have like uh i forget what her name is like air ari i don't remember <laughs> there's this other uh martial artist that's uh more about like you know fast strikes and stuff and it's uh, there's no, there is a charge attack on her but it's not like a major component of her combos or anything like that it's just a lot of really fast strikes and like she can divide herself 
And then so you have your creative character that kind of is in between there. So I, I really like that about the game that like each character feels really diverse and unique uh, in a way that I I didn't think I didn't think they normally I, I don't know if you see that kind of like diversity in characters based off weapon types typically in a lot of games, but I, uh, I like it. It's, it's pretty nice. But I'm towards the end of the game. I'm probably um I feel like I'm at the end of the game. But I am like continuing to enjoy the story and uh, things like that. So that's pretty fun. Um, I don't know when I'll like. I've, I've mentioned a lot before. I've, I really like the structure of this game. That it is more like an RPG with a Muso element added into it. Um, but I don't. Um, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like I should play a more traditional Muso game, and. Um, and I always look at like Hyrule Warriors and um, and think about that because I'm a big Zelda fan outside of Breath of the Wild. I'm a big <laughs> Zelda fan, and um, I I would like to to spend some more times in those like crossover style games. I think that stuff is really valuable uh, if done right. Um, and I feel like Dragon Quest Heroes feels like it's done right. Admittedly, I have not played much Dragon Quest outside of Dragon Quest Eight, so maybe. Um, I noticed like some of the localization on some of the characters is really weird and I have no idea if that's like accurate to the original game and how it was translated and things like that. Um, so I'd be curious, um, to see how somebody who played Dragon Quest V feels about like these two characters having like these really strong Russian accents in Dragon Quest Heroes 2 and if they were like originally portrayed as such. I will say that there's a lot of Muso games out there, though. So, so like, it's it's uh, a genre that feels kind of overdone at the moment. I actually was looking at um, Record of Grand Crest War, and I was like, oh, this looks like a Muso. But um, I actually sat down and looked at it, and I mean, it's not, I'm pretty sure it's not an Omega Quintet uh, joint. Let me just double check. Yeah, it's a Namco Bandai thing. Um, or Bandai Namco, I always get that mixed up. Um, um, but it is kind of like a hack and slash, you know, big, you know, battle kind of conflict kind of thing. But, um, at the same time you have like the ability to control squads and like tell them where they need to move to and stuff. Um, I thought that game looked pretty neat. Um, I hadn't heard about it until this weekend, to be honest. I, I didn't know there's apparently an anime for it too. It, I think it's based off the Record of Lotus War series or something, or like some kind of spiritual successor to that. Um, but uh, yeah, the game looks surprisingly all right. All the, the the gameplay I saw was running at like half of what I would consider an acceptable frame rate these days, uh, a consistent frame rate. It was like you know pretty choppy. But um, I'm actually looking at some of the footage on the website right now, and that actually looks a lot cleaner. So me, eh, we'll see. We'll see. I probably will never play it, but uh, it looks interesting. I don't think it's ever been announced for America or anything like that either. I could be wrong. I don't know. Bandai Namco has been pretty good about localizing their anime-based games and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's anything super special looking, but it it's kind of nice. Um, nice to see this kind of like hack and slash game have a nice gimmick on top of it. Um, especially like a strategy gimmick. Uh, I say, as I started streaming Full Spectrum Warrior this week, and oh man, that stream, the first hour was like all tutorial, but once you get going, that game is still pretty good, I feel like. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more Full Spectrum Warrior. I guess that's something I did play this week as well, in, in addition to Dragon Quest Heroes 2. Um, 
huh. I didn't come in with like a super sharp idea of what I'd be talking about today, but I did. I, I mean, just going around with like more of the new stuff I was poking around with today. I also saw that Yoma, 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 Wadi. Yomawari collection is coming to Switch, which um, Yomawari is like a, a little cute survival, not survival, like a little cute horror game that came out on the Vita, um, and there's a sequel, I believe, and then also a phone game, maybe I'm, eh, I might be remembering that wrong, I think there's a phone game maybe, but if not, and if there is, I don't think it's in that collection. Uh, this getting ported to Switch as a collection. So I actually might actually jump on it then because uh, I think the, the original two were kind of limited run print kind of things. So I don't think they're particularly cheap to get. I don't think they're super expensive either, but I think they're they're not like a standard retail price. I have to go back and check and look. Um, so if there's like a physical copy for the Switch version, I might end up getting that. And then just having them both on the same collection is kind of nice. Um, so I can only play one and then never play the other one, probably. I don't know how long those games are or if they're good or anything like that. Uh, they've been around for a while, but I think they have a nice style to them at the very least. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not super, uh, excited about anything on Switch at the moment. I'm still trying to get through like a uh, penny punching princess and stuff like that. And as we come up to E3, um, and Maybe I should have talked about E3 this episode, but as we're coming up to E3, like, I don't really know what I want out of, um, uh, Nintendo on that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really mention Sony specifically on PlayStation 4, because I don't really play much Sony first-party content, so what ends up being on PS4 just ends up being whatever third-party software or something like that, um, that I end up getting typically, but, um... But I am kind of interested in that new Pokemon game. The I think it's Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Um, mainly because it, it looks a lot like Pokemon. But at the same time, mechanically, there's a lot going on that's different. Um, just in terms of, you know, even down to not having random battles. Or, or it sounds like there's no wild battles per se. You're just like throwing the Pokeballs kind of like in Pokemon Go. And I've never played Pokemon Go. So that would be a first time experience for me. But it sounds like kind of a simplified Pokemon game uh, that that just kind of mixes in some elements from both Pokemon Go and the regular Pokemon. And as someone who played Pokemon White after play after like I don't know how many years, it must have been like ten or so years <laughs> since playing Pokemon Red and then being like, oh, this game is still kind of the same thing. Any kind of change in Pokemon gets me gets me slightly more interested than just like, oh, this is another Pokemon, but it looks nicer kind of thing. Um, I always say I want to like get into Pokemon and like pursue that more, but it's just the, the time commitment. And I think the problem is, is that the, the beginning of the game where you play through to the, um, like the whatever for you go down to victory road. I, I don't know if this is true for every game, but I know in black white, you go down like victory road at some point and eventually you fight, you know, leave four or something like that. I don't know. I don't know for why I can't remember. It's been too long. <laughs> um, um, but I do find like in that, that main story section, I always just kind of get bored and stop playing at some point during that. And I know that Pokemon has a lot of end game content. And sometimes I wonder if I would be more interested in that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I, I might check these one out. We'll see. Um, 
get that weird Pokeball controller thing. I don't know. It depends on how expensive it is. Um, I like little weird gimmicky controllers. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing as the Joy-Con really, but at the same time, I'm not a huge Joy-Con fan. So, so something, something different might be neat. Although holding it like a ball, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know how many buttons that thing uses and how accessible those are. Uh, because there's really just like the analog stick on the front of the controller as far as I can see from the video. I'm sure there's buttons on it as well to select stuff or or they do something to get around that in some way so yeah that video game looks all right i probably won't get it because even video games i want to play i end up don't playing usually because things um <laughs> but yeah so let's do, let's do fortune cookie i think i skipped fortune cookie last week and the week before let me go ahead and pull that up here where's the fortune cookie if you haven't been here before fortune cookie is where i just grab a random UI collection and we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it for a little bit like fantasy star universe fantasy star universe the playstation 2 version to be specific i think that might be the only version of fantasy star universe i own i go through i go through fits and bits where i sometimes just want to get fantasy star universe for the original xbox 360 the original xbox 360 for the xbox 360 and um it's a bad idea because, like, I don't know if you know this, and maybe this just segues right and talk about Fantasy Star Universe. That base game is kind of not great <laughs> in terms of offline content. Uh, you have the story you can go through, which I think is all right. I think it's like a twenty-hour story, twenty maybe thirty hours. But uh, and I like I liked like the characters and the voice acting and stuff at the time, even though it's pretty pretty bad for the most part. Um, but I think the story for Fantasy Star Universe franchise is a lot more interesting than Fantasy Star Online, if only by the the amount of it that's told. Or Fantasy Star Online, a lot of it's very much in the background or like little data logs you read. Fantasy Star Universe is like, here's some cutscenes and like character development stuff and and you play as Ethan Weber as a main character rather than you're a creative character. But you can create a character for offline play, I think. Let me think about that. Can you do that? You might, I feel like, yes, you, yes, you can do that in Fantasy Star Universe. You can also just play as Ethan in, in the story mode offline as well and just level Ethan, um, which is kind of interesting that, thinking about that of just like, oh, once you make a new character in the, in the non-story section, I think all the quests that are available to Ethan are just available to your new character, so you're pretty much just playing through the whole game again as your new character, um, and it's like starting over. You can't like convert Ethan over to to a creative character or something like that, which seems like might have been the better choice in terms of offline content. Maybe not, for, uh, definitely not for online. Fantasy Star Universe went through the whole process of having characters server side to avoid hacking and stuff like Fantasy Star Online was played with. Um, so server side characters helped a lot with that stuff. I don't know if that prevented everything, but you know, I, I'm sure it helped to some extent. Um, but yeah, Fantasy Star Universe is just a very bare bones game. There's no, there's no like timing element to the attacks. Um, there is like limited, uh, I feel like a limited number of weapons, a limited number of photon arts, and and like leveling up uh, spells is a very grindy process. Like sit there and like cast on yourself. But I, th I think the thing it just has over all the other entries in the Fantasy Star Universe is just like a a really fleshed out 
cinematic experience compared to the other games. I mean, Phase Star Portable and Phase Star Portable 2 definitely have their cutscenes uh, with like voice acting and stuff, but they're 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 rare compared to the amount of just like 2D portraits talking to each other that you see in those games. Uh, that's not to say that's particularly a bad way to deliver that story. I think Phase Star Universe Ambition of the Luminous is probably the expansion which actually has the least amount of like production values for the story content. Uh, was probably my favorite story at the time when I was playing through it, but just like seeing the ambition of that original like model of like the cutscenes and stuff in that in that original game um, was I don't know I don't know if it was particularly great as it was just maybe it's just inconsistent is the thing it's just um you know you have that original game where it's like oh here's all these fully voice acted cutscenes and you get down to the ambitions of the Luminous where it's like here's a bunch of dialogue boxes while you know your character models stand around. And then eventually it turns into here's a bunch of character portraits. Um, um, yeah, it's, maybe, it's been kind of up and down. Uh, but I mean, like, Fantasy Star Online 2 has plenty of cutscenes, it seems like. So, and that seems to be what everyone's playing, anyways, nowadays. I mean, Fantasy Star Universe, I think, I think all of these servers are down to Fantasy Star Universe, even like the free to play ones they put up, uh, like right before Fantasy Star Online 2 came out. Um, but I do think there are some like fan groups trying to do um, some of the uh, the server stuff for Fantasy Star Universe. I just don't know how complete it is. I mean, the more server reliant a game is, the more work that's to be put into it. I remember like Fantasy Star Online three on the GameCube was almost completely broken when playing on like a fan server. So, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's it's a a interesting little piece that I might return to someday. I might finally crumble and buy the Xbox 360 version and sit down and play through it and ask myself why. Um, I did get a copy of Fantasy Star Portable Infinite recently from a good friend, so um, so maybe I'll play that someday. I think there's a translation that's still going on, uh, still ongoing translation. But I think they finished translating and inserting all the text into the game. It's mainly just like bug stuff. I also think you might not be able to play it on real hardware due to the, um, I think there's like a RAM issue in terms of like the, or maybe not a RAM issue, but like a, a storage issue in terms of the amount of text that can be stored in the Japanese version compared to the US version uh, on like an original PSP. So I think it might be emulator only, but I'm talking, pretty much talking my ass on that. I, <laughs> I just was reading some stuff in the, the uh, forum thread for it on, uh, I think it's like GBA temp or whatever, where they have a bunch of ROMs and stuff over there. So maybe someday I'll play that. I need to like get a PlayStation TV and modify it. Um, I think all those are running pretty old OSs, so you can probably pretty easily just buy one and then um, just make sure you don't connect it to the internet and then uh, modify it. I got to do that at some point. We'll see. We'll see. That's like another 60 bucks I got to worry about, which hey is a great price for a Vita. Uh, if it's still $60, I still highly recommend getting a PlayStation TV, even with its limitations. Some games on there, like Freedom Wars, just looks great. Um, it looks like a PlayStation 3 game on a TV. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there's obviously games that don't look as good, like Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment, which looks like a PSP game. <laughs> a very nice-looking PSP game. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And then, like, uh, just being able to, like, insert certain games onto a PS TV. Because, like, Valkyrie Chronicles 2, I happen... To, I think they added support for Valkyrie Chronicles 2 on um, on PlayStation TV and then were selling the game for like $5 at the time. And I already had a physical copy, but like being able to play Valkyrie Chronicles 2 
uh, full screen over a PSTV was really nice because if you if you do a video out on a PSP, it's like this whole thing with you know the the screen size not being quite right and um and it's just like yes the game looks better because it's in a smaller window but at the same time i'm just like let me just as ugly as this game looks blown up on a 40 inch tv we're just gonna do it <laughs> i'm sure there's probably some people who look at that like how i look at like playing four by three games in widescreen where it's like oh you're a monster for doing this <laughs> But, um, but, uh, I, I am a dummy and like, I'm going to blow this Game Boy Advance game up on my giant, not giant TV. I have a pretty small TV actually, but giant for me since I sit like right in front of it, but on my 40 inch TV, what was originally on this post-it note style Game Boy Color screen or something like that. So, so yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for coming. Um, I make. I think it's probably best I make no promises on content right now as I continue to work on this website. It's taking longer than I thought, um, and it's taking more work than I thought, but I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. <laughs> so, so hopefully soon I'll have something finished, and then I can start working on other things again. Um, I'm debating, and you may or may not see this this week, I, it depends on how I feel this weekend about maybe trying this out, and then if it works out, maybe publishing it, um, uh, I think I might start doing, like, I don't know if news articles is the right word, but, like, a commentary on certain things, and I don't mean this as, like, oh, but I'm not gonna sit there and cover, like, oh, Bethesda's, uh, Rage 2 leaked out, even though I have no, like, interest in Rage stuff or something like that. Um, it will probably just be, like, basically, at the end of the week, I go through a week worth of game news and just kind of parse out what I want to read and, and what I want to look at, and then just... I have basically at the end of the at the end of the session a bunch of tabs I have open. I go through all of them, figure out if I want to like you know if there's anything I want to grab from them in terms of like saving stuff um, or like trying to keep them in mind as something to look at again later, or if I want to try to if the case like a DMM game or something, try to sit there and install it or something like that. Um, I I do that, but then a lot of it goes kind of to waste. Um, so I'm thinking about just kind of making these little posts that kind of wouldn't really be news per se, like a news article per se, but be like a commentary on some of the things I find. Um, so I don't know if that'd be interesting or not. Uh, the only issue is, is that compared to like streaming or doing a podcast, it'd probably take up time, more time than I would think. Um, versus like, uh, Versus, you know, streaming is pretty easy to do. It takes like two and a half hours of my week to just sit down and do it. And it's a lot of times it'd be like a time that I'd be using for like something else that's not article writing anyways. Um, and then podcasts are just so short and easy to do. Uh, you know, I barely consider them any time spent. This would probably take longer depending on how much I'd want to spend time on it. I don't know. We'll see. I might draft something up this weekend and see how it goes. So... Uh, yeah, so that's going to be it for today. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye. It was episode 55. I forgot if I mentioned that. <laughs>